You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. In recent years, the B.C. government has made many promises, many representations about its intent to preserve what little is left of the province's old-growth forests. Many B.C. residents, however, feel that despite the arrival in office of more reality-based politicians, such as David Eby, no real progress is being made. On February 25th, some of these residents attended a march and rally in Victoria to express their concerns about deforestation and their frustration with the slowness of government response to what many describe as an ecological crisis. Today we present an interview with Helen Hall, longtime Cortez resident who traveled to Victoria to participate in this protest. Helen was our reporter on the spot, acquiring audio, video, and photo documentation of this event. On our website and in subsequent episodes on CKTZ, Currents will be sharing with you some of Helen's documentary material for those who were unable to attend themselves. So, Helen, you traveled to Victoria to participate in what was essentially a grassroots protest against the slowness or lack of commitment in the B.C. government's response to the destruction of the last scraps of our old-growth forest. How did you hear about it, and what made you decide to make that journey? Before Christmas, they were asking organisations to sign a declaration to stand united against the logging of old growth forests. So working for Friends of Cortez, we signed that declaration. And then I went away at Christmas and I came back and in my email inbox, there was an email promoting the March and Rally. And it was something I personally feel very strongly about. So I decided way back in January that this was something I really wanted to go to. Friends of Cortez actually posted something on Tideline to ask to see if anybody wanted to go down and share rides, but we didn't actually get a response to that. So, yeah, for, for that reason, I drove down on my own. And, yeah, I was really lucky. I had a very good old friend. Her name is Deirdre Gotto to stay with. And I asked her, I said, are you going to go to the rally? And she said, yeah, I'm going to the rally. So I get down there and then I find out that she's actually part of the elders for Ancient Trees, which is a group that started up in Victoria after the Ferry Creek protest. She wouldn't admit to being one of the organisers, but she sends out all the newsletters for them and was very involved. So I was really lucky to be staying with her. So I got to know a lot more about how they'd been planning the march and the rally and yeah, got to join her and her husband on the when we went out. What really fascinated me was she sent me all their latest newsletters so I could read it before I went to the march. And the thing that inspired and sort of fascinated me was the huge amount of effort that had gone into preparing for the rally in the march and how for months they had been getting ready and the elders for ancient trees had been going out into malls in Victoria and doing flash mobs, singing and dancing and trying to get attention and handing out brochures and the other people had been creating huge banners to be on the march and making masks. There was a huge amount of thought and preparation that had gone into it. The date was chosen because it's 100 days since David Eby had been in power 
And I think he had promised to take action on old growth. And the idea was to have the March and Rally to put pressure on him to say, hey, what have you done? And, you know, what are you going to do about this? Well, it is only quite recently that EB has publicly admitted that forestry, as we've known it in BC, is dead. It's, um, it's done. Stick a fork in it. It took the closure of the mills, I think, up in the Prince George area to really make him fess up. Um, so I imagine that people's frustration level is pretty high after 100 days. Yes, I think so. I think what was inspiring was that it was really hard to work out the numbers of people. But at one point when we were walking down Douglas Street, which was full of people for quite a few blocks, I figured that there was definitely over 3,000, possibly 5,000 people there at that point. And yeah, you got the real sense, you know, that people were really, really concerned about this issue and really want to push him to do something about it. And now we are talking about the last 2.7% of old growth forests remaining. And I learned the shocking fact that three quarters of that is slated for logging. So, you know, to me, I guess the thing I felt like going on the march, can't you just stop, stop logging, just stop, you need to stop, you know. And I know there's 14 recommendations that have come out of the old growth panel that the government say they're going to implement. But from what I understood from talking to people there, that they haven't actually implemented any of those 14 recommendations. So it feels like a, a crisis that's not being taken seriously enough or, or being treated urgently enough. Yes. Currents has been covering this story, the inaction of the government, the talk and log strategy. While all the discussion goes on and the committees deliberate, the trees are still falling. The B.C. government will publish a statement about the number of hectares they're protecting or deferring, and it'll sound like a large number to the average person, but really, in terms of the total hectareage of forest lands in B.C. and what is at risk, it's risible. It, it isn't significant at all. That's correct. And what, I mean, I'm not sure of all the facts, but what I understood from being on the, the march was that actually some of those deferral areas are areas which were never going to be logged anyhow. And uh, so they're including areas of land that would not be logged. So those figures are exaggerated. And I think the other thing that c came to light for me was the deferrals, only deferral is not stopping logging for good there. And we're talking about being in one, one of the few countries in the world with large extents of forests left. And, you know, British Columbia is the most biodiverse province in Canada. So and then these forests are now so rare. We're talking about something globally rare. As far as I'm concerned, we need to stop today. There should be no more old growth logging. So I think that was probably the feelings of a lot of people there. I see the intention behind the 14 recommendations. But the simple message really is we need to stop. And it's already gone. It's irreplaceable. Old trees are not only important for their age, but they're important because they will support a biodiverse community of plants and animals living on those trees, which are probably very specialist to old trees. So by cutting down old trees, you can't replace them. You can't replace them. They're gone. They're gone for good. An important message to deliver. Um, so how was the event, the March and Rally, structured? The way it was organised was they got people to gather at Centennial Square. By the time I turned up, there was a large number of people there already. The First Nations there were doing a, a welcome for people and then talking about the impacts for them. 
as indigenous communities, the loss of, you know, old growth forests. And there was some singing and there's some, some drumming. So it kind of got everyone together. And also the thing that was impressive there was these amazing banners that had been made, which were the species at risk that you find in old growth forests. So there are lots of owls, there are frogs, um, it's a whole bunch of different banners. And they, so they had all these large banners, which were really impressive. And then there were people dressed in all sorts of costumes, dressed up as trees. There, were, there was a group of people with, looked like brown, like hats on their heads with saws through them. So it looked like a, a stump with a saw through. So there's a group of them walking around singing opera, which was kind of quite fun. And yeah, lots and lots of placards and signs. And it was really impressive just to see the number of people in all sorts of ages. You know, there were kids there, there were elderly people there, a lot of young people too. So it was a real mixed crowd. So that's how it started. And then from there, it was very well organized. From there, we were told how to march. And what they did first, they had the First Nations drummers lead the march, followed by the banners, the Species at Risk banners followed by people carrying green flags to represent the forest. And from that, then they were people carrying large blue ribbons to represent the streams and the ocean. And there were a whole bunch of very large killer whales went past as well. So it was very kind of like a festival feel to it. And then behind that, everybody else followed. And so we walked from there all the way down Douglas Street to the legislature. Yeah, it was quite the sight. Being on Douglas, the whole street was closed. And so there were people right across the street and just marching, actually marching in pretty, it was pretty quiet. People were just marching quietly. You could hear the opera singers further down and you could just about hear the, the drummers at the front. So we slowly marched all the way to the, the ledge. Hmm. So I'm getting a pretty vivid picture here of a kind of celebratory, almost a parade-like atmosphere, but not a lot of like political chanting call and response that kind of thing not very loud no it's interesting i was interested because the last march i'd been on had been in england against brexit and there were there was a lot of chanting and shouting on that one so this one was actually quite quiet and i asked somebody i said oh it's quite quiet and they said actually it's quite nice we're just kind of walking in silence here and you know the, the focus was very much on the drummers at the front leading the the march but it did have a bit of a festival feel because people had got really carried away in what what they were wearing there was one woman with what looked like a tree stump on her head with a marble murrelet sitting on top of that and you know so I think people were just like enjoying what each other were wearing but also it just felt great to be walking as a large group you know, and it was very clear. There were so many signs and banners saying stop old growth logging. Yeah, it was a really inspiring thing to be part of. How about uh, Victoria residents, like bystanders, spectators? Uh, did you feel like the march had a fairly large audience? Yeah, well, all the cars, I noticed they'd obviously blocked all the cars coming into Douglas. So there were people sitting there. I don't know how, whether they're enjoying it or they were frustrated. But there were a lot of people on the sidewalks taking pictures. And I think some of them joined in as well. And how about uh, counter-protesters? Was there any counter-protest? Forestry feeds my family and, and all that stuff? No, there weren't. No, there weren't any counter-protesters. And there was a very low police presence as well. It was a very peaceful march. I think I only saw two policemen there. So, yeah, it was very peaceful. Oh, that's interesting. That makes me wonder whether the RCMP has maybe learned something 
from the huge reputational hit they took due to their poor treatment of the protesters at Ferry Creek. Yes, I didn't go to that, but Deirdre, who I was staying with, had been and was comparing that to how protesters were treated at Clackwatt Sound when that was under threat and how there were more protesters arrested at Ferry Creek and that the the way the police handled them was pretty shocking. So I think that is what had kind of fired up this rally and certainly fired up the the group she was involved with, the Elders for Ancient Trees. It seemed to, you know, our numbers seemed to get really big at one point. So the uh, end of the march then was at the legislature on the big lawn there? Yeah, that's where we ended up. And then just everyone kind of got there. And then they started doing speeches from in front of the legislature. And uh, thanks to you, we have some pretty good audio from that rally. So we'll be broadcasting excerpts from some of those speeches in a couple of follow-up episodes to this show. So what was it like being at the rally? In the pictures I saw, they had a stage set up, they had a sound system that um, looked pretty organized. Yeah, I was very lucky because I knew I was going to be reporting for Cortez Currents. I kind of pushed myself right to the front, right at the beginning when there wasn't a very big crowd. So I was really lucky. I was right at the front. And yeah, there was a stage and large speakers. And again, they started with the First Nations talking and I heard some really inspiring speeches. So um, what were just a couple of highlights of that rally for you? Um, I heard that Chief James Hobart was there, for example, and that he spoke quite powerfully. Yeah, a really inspiring First Nations chief who was talking about how his nation was in the last remaining territory of the spotted owl. And where they were living, there was just one spotted owl. And they'd introduced two others to try and breed, to try and start a population there. And I thought that was shocking just to hear that, you know, I remember learning probably about 10 years ago about spotted owls. And at the time, the Sierra Club were trying to, uh, and other groups were trying to get them protected and not just to protect the owls, but their habitat. The reason they were trying to protect the habitat was because, you know, it was old growth forests and they were trying to get the government to protect the habitat. And that was, wasn't being done because they obviously wanted to cut down those areas. And so, just hearing this guy talk about the, this one remaining um, spotted out was quite shocking. But it was great. I was inspired by his talk and he was just expressing the need for urgency and just the frustration of his nation on how slow everything was. So how long did the rally continue? I heard it was fairly long, like two and a half hours. Yeah, so I, I think it was two and a half. I didn't actually stay right to the end because it was actually really cold. I stayed for two hours. And so, you know, there was another speaker who I found very interesting was somebody called Dr. Karen Price, who I believe was on the Old Growth Review Panel. And so she talked about the need for protecting old growth forests. Yeah, you got quite a good recording of her speech, which uh, we'll be broadcasting in a later episode. Anything else in particular stand out for you at the rally? Well, I'll tell you what was memorable, which was there was a surprise speaker, if you like. And right after Karen Price had spoken, suddenly the crowd just surged forward. And I was like, OK, what's going on here? And I was right at the front, so I got pushed towards the stage. And Neil Young came on, unscheduled. It was a complete surprise, and they hadn't told anyone. So he came on unscheduled, and he talked for a little while about the need to protect old-growth forests. 
and then he sang and I I fortunately got great video of that but that was really inspiring and people were really uplifted by the fact that he'd come apparently come all the way from California especially to be at the rally so that was pretty remarkable and I noticed in the media afterwards you know there was a strong focus on him appearing and endorsing what the organizers were doing. Well, yes, uh, sad but true. If you really want media attention to your cause, uh, the excellence of your argument may be not quite as useful as getting a big-name celebrity to come to your event. I think it got on the front of the Times colonists the next morning. I'm hoping that meant that, what, what, what is the point of the rally? The point is to try and get politicians to listen. Just hoping that makes them listen and realizing, you know, there's there's people out there who care. I mean, I, the only thing I was slightly saddened by was it didn't. Some of the coverage doesn't actually cover much more than some of the points that people made. But I think having him there was great. It did it did get a lot of media attention. So, did the speakers suggest avenues for people to pursue uh, things they could go home and do, actions they could take? Were there um petitions to sign for example no there weren't and my only my only personal thought afterwards it would have been great if there had been for example three asks that the crowd got behind i think the one person who really spoke to that was dr karen price and she said you know i'm a scientist i'm working on this there's people in government actually working on this but what we need we need people like you to keep protesting to keep it in the front of politicians and she was advocating for us to lobby politicians, you know, go on more rallies and marches and to make a noise, really, to get people to listen. So to put pressure on the B.C. government to actually accept the results from their own panel on old growth and implement those 14 recommendations? I think these 14 recommendations, you know, you have to read them all to know what they are, and they're probably a little bit technical. I think the overall thing is they just need to stop logging old growth and I slightly I'm slightly concerned that that's lost in a bunch of recommendations that people are then trying to endorse. So it sounds like you're feeling that the famous 14 recommendations you know which we're struggling over may be uh, too little too late? Exactly and I think the clearest message is you know why isn't there a moratorium? Why didn't they say right right from today we're just going to stop this? You know while we're talking they're still cutting stuff down. And, you know, if this goes on for another year, how much more has been cut down? So I think number one thing is it just has to stop while they figure out, you know, how to go forward. Hey, we're in the most biodiverse province in one of the most important countries for forests in the world. In Europe, there's a movement, rewilding movement, to rewild large areas, landscape-scale conservation. And that's because so much has been lost there. And we still have the opportunity to save some really important areas. And, you know, it's sad to think that we might only have a few trees and have to rewild areas. We shouldn't be having to do that. We should be protecting what we've got. It seems like it has to be a lot less expensive to preserve it now while we still have it, rather than in the future to institute huge, expensive remediation projects to try to recover it. You know, I remember coming to BC originally in 2004 and I volunteered with the Sierra Club and I for six months I just had my mouth was just dropped open I was like they can't be doing that no they can't what you know because in Europe I you know I'm not saying we're perfect there and a lot of stuff's been cut down but you know conservation wise still is a long way ahead of Canada you know I do feel that cutting down 
ancient trees which are so biodiverse how do you replace that they're irreplaceable so even though you might be able to rewild and get some semblance of a forest you're probably never going to get what we had before you know a small area of old growth forests is a much bigger carbon sink than a vast area of replanted forests so again you're shooting yourself in the foot you know to replace an old growth forest in in those terms you need a much larger area you need a huge amount of resources to do that and I think the other thing to remember, we're in an ecological crisis globally, and it is like saving the last white rhino, but it happens to be trees. And, you know, we happen to be in a country where we don't need to do that. It just seems illogical to carry on. It feels like insanity. It feels like craziness. It feels like short-sightedness. And it feels like a really backwards-looking perspective and not a modern perspective in terms of conservation and we you know losing species at such a rate it, we're calling it an ecological crisis what we weren't calling it that 30 years ago when I started working as ecologist we had lots of issues but we weren't like hey wait a minute there's a massive species extinction so it's almost like we're accelerating into something and it should be treated as a crisis and we should be stopping further harm to valuable areas and looking at restoring it as well restoring habitats and forests and wetlands and so on so you would say then that the victoria march and rally wasn't really asking for enough like what we need in bc is a moratorium um a dead stop like if you're heading for the brick wall what you need to do is slam on the brakes i think you just summed it up you need to hit the brakes we need to hit the brakes You've just been listening to an interview with Helen Hall from Cortez, who attended the February 25th March and Rally in Victoria to protest the province's inaction on the protection of old-growth forests from logging. Helen brought back a fair amount of audio, video, and photography from that event, which we'll be sharing with you online and in one or two subsequent episodes. For more details and a podcast of this radio show, visit CortezCurrents.ca. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And as always, thanks for listening.